0: Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our, and sometimes, but not this week, your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Not this time. For your requests, uh, you can hold that thought, because once again, and we're on a roll here, uh, I'm joined by a guest, a fabulous guest. Joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 185, is Nicholas Auger... Oh, I got it right (laughs) in rehearsals. Nicholas Orkablad, welcome to Kane and yes. Rince Sound of Play. Thank you. And I'm very proud to say that uh, Nicholas uh, also known as widely known as El Juevo, um, is a is, is you are aware of our work. Yes, you, of you course. You know Kane and Rince, you know Sound of Play. Was, yes, of I course. I was proud and surprised to uh, to find out that uh, that you yeah, Thomas so Thomas Quilfell, our mu- mutual acquaintance, a uh, member of the Kane and Rince uh, crew. Uh, has uh, I guess been in contact with you through his Laced Records work?
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, we've been talking a little bit, uh, and I just heard him on. That's right. I I re- I, I forgot which episode it was.
0: Uh, Final uh, Fantasy Seven, uh, probably. Was it? Yeah, maybe it was. Grim
1: Fandango. Uh, anyway, oh yeah, it was Green Fandango. There, that we was go. the one. And I sort of recognized his voice and, mm. and looked at like the credits and yeah, like well, it's Mister
0: Quilfeld. Yeah. I can't remember what, how what we got doing? to know Thomas. But yeah, there he yeah. He's he's been assimilated as part of the, the, the team now. Uh That's and awesome. And as as a, as a bonus to that, he he hooks me up with last week or last time I was on a couple of shows ago. We had the amazing Kevin Penkin on from uh, Florence, uh, the Perth musician. And now we've got mm. we've got Nicolas El Huervo, who people will know if you're not already, if you haven't already clocked it. Uh, surely probably best known for the Hotline Miami games, uh, not only some of the amazing music. Some of the most distinctive music, uh, but also the uh, incredibly familiar, I'm going to say iconic artwork for those games.
1: Oh, thanks. So Uh... you are
0: a polymath.
1: What's a polymath?
0: It means you are multi multiple. You have multiple talents. Basically, you are an actual. Not only you are not somebody who just has one outlet artistically. You have multiple, and not only that, but they are. It's not like one is a is a is just a, a hobby and a dabble. These are all actual ongoing professional concerns. You are an artist and a musician.
1: Yes, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, I am still trying to convince myself. That it's true. Everybody
0: uh, has imposter syndrome, even the most uh, appallingly talented people. Uh, which it's is weird. It's good to know everything's real. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I want to say that your music and your art complements—they complement one another uh, incredibly well. There's a there's a psychedelic quality to both. They're both very uh, vivid, but also tinged with this kind of. Um, they're both kind of tinged with this kind of fuzziness this haze of conceptual bright colours um, I'm doing a really bad job of articulating this no but,
1: but I mean it's it's fine I, I actually think that it's I mean it's always hard to describe something that was made for the purpose of being seen yeah you know sort of like Alan Moore doesn't want his comic books to be made into movies because yeah they right. can only be seen as comics yeah or however he put it, but uh, but yeah, you're right, there's like certainly a trippy quality to it, and yeah. I haven't done that many drugs, so that kind of comes on its own.
0: Yeah, it's often the way. Uh, I think the, we were actually talking listeners about uh, drinking and drugs before the show. But yeah, yeah, I often I had this feeling, you know, looking looking at your work and hearing your work. I, I think I bet there's the assumption among many people who come across it that you are just you just live in a in an eternal fug of marijuana smoke uh, and or LSD. Um, but then I thought, actually, I bet he doesn't because otherwise he'd never get all this work because he's you know you're you're prolific as well. You you make all the this stuff and that's not really compatible with that lifestyle i mean for, i think it is for some people but then
1: sooner or later you you end up with at like a, a threshold or a glass ceiling or something like Hunter S. thompson
0: yeah true I remember true. Yeah,
1: yeah i remember seeing a, a documentary about him and he was like 56 years old or something yeah and he was like in his kitchen with these uh, um, i think that his friends or like his where uh, people who helped him out and he was like,
2: where's my f-ing medicine? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: And one of these people rolled him a joint, like, and like, here here you go, Mr. Hunter. Like, yeah. Uh, and you don't want to end up there.
0: No, so it's good to be uh level headed. Yes. I mean, there's definitely a, there, obviously there's a, there's a great, uh, swathe of art made through history and music by people on, you know, a- actively at the time, heroin addicts and, and, morphine and whatever else um but long term it's yeah it's not really sustainable um but maybe it opens up a few windows in the first place not that we'll advocate that sort of uh that sort of behavior because it's risky to say the least yes uh it is (laughs) i'm i I can't it's
1: kind of this pod took a an an interesting turn
0: (laughs) well it was always likely uh we'll go with it it's all good um so yeah we've opened the show already with one of your pieces uh so a a piece of this piece uh, the setup uh, is used in SteamWorld dig 2 which is a relatively recent game uh still coming out on things and um i think recently it was added to at least one or two of the services as well as multi-format came out on some of the uh what we now call the legacy handhelds, like the Vita and the 3DS, so it's uh, it's widely available. And you, so you wrote about half this soundtrack, along with, uh, and again, this is a tricky name for me. Is it uh, mm. Pella Kandlabi, um, who also seemed to have seemed to have written maybe a third, or yeah, something more. like that. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah. <clears throat> he wanted some help with that, and right. I don't remember how we got in touch, really, but mm. I think it must have been through Hotline Miami or something. And, he, and since SteamWorld Dig is like kind of a Western thing yeah. almost, mm. uh, they felt they wanted to go more in that direction. Uh, so I actually got like reference material from you know the classics.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: stuff like that, but. I wanted to make it more deep, I think, mm. uh, and, and a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Blueberry. No. It's a comic book made by uh, Jean Giraud, I think his name is, uh, also known as Moebius. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, sure. So And it's kind of like uh, a very narrow genre called acid Western. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of... Uh, I don't know what the word is in English, but it's kind of philosophical and meta, uh, sur- surrealist. I would say. Yeah. Right. Uh, dwelling into like the little bit of the Indian part of it, like the the spiritual realm, mm, mm. the West. Uh, gotcha. uh, so I tried to go for that a little bit and add some depth to to the game through the Excellent.
0: music. So yeah, it's. Um, I think. One risk of having such a, a, a ma- obviously Hotline Miami was this massive hit, and because both your music and your art was so strongly associated with it, I guess there was the danger of the whatever the artistic equivalent of getting typecast was because of the the very strong associations with the vibe of that game being and it all being like this very uh, tightly woven package of of mood and feel. So actually, to to write some music for a, a very different kind of game with a very different vibe uh, i guess was uh, was fun and um something to to kind of show that you've got chops beyond that very particular you know the influences on hotline miami are, are sort of quite well known and and, and obvious so this is something totally different but the thing with like hotline miami i think is also that i didn't really make any of those synthwave tracks yeah
1: right uh, so I don't think I really ended up in that sort of um, trench or typecasting mode mm-hmm. since, like, the tunes I had in Hotla Miami were kind of varied, I think. Right. It's like this this crazy techno distorted mm-hmm. thing. And then there's the uh, foreboding, jazzy, loungy thing. And then there's mm-hmm. this uh, drony atmospherical music. Uh, so so it, it kind of and if you like daisuki is kind of similar to some of the songs in steamworld dig two, i think you can hear the uh, heritage yeah uh, a little bit so but i think yeah if i would have done like a lot of synthwave tunes then maybe i would have been more <laughs> typecasted for that i guess
0: and also, uh, as always, when we have a composer on the show, we also ask them to bring uh, some pieces from other games that have uh, impressed or moved them over the years. And uh, this first one's quite a—I'd say it's a relatively deep cut. It's—it's uh, it's not something we featured before. It's actually a really—it's um, quite a melancholic uh, string piece. Uh, from a game that um, I'm not intimately familiar with at all—is uh, it Arcanum or Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura, a 2001 Sierra Online PC uh, RPG? I'm going to say, um, and this is also a composer. Is it? Is it again the pronunciations? It could be Hoag, but it could be Haug or or even Huge. Yeah, um, that's really hard. That's a really hard one. I always <laughs> think it's
1: Huge, but then I read it and I'm like, no, it's just Haug. <laughs>
0: Maybe he's uh, from Amsterdam or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, was this um, is this the kind of game that you uh, enjoyed growing up? Um, this these these sorts of uh, RPGs, or is was it just the uh, this rather intricate and pretty string music that stood out to you? Well, like I never really got into Fallout when everyone else did, like
1: the early ones. Yeah, because it's kind of similar in, in style. Yeah. Uh, but there was something like I read a review and it got like pretty shit reviews, like sixes and fives. Uh, and it just intrigued me because it looked so weird. And this was before steampunk was like a, a huge thing mm. for the steampunk wave. And it just looked cool to like battle dragons in a tuxedo, like wielding a magic sword or something. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I tried it out and, and it's super weird, like and buggy as hell. Uh, yeah. But there's just this atmosphere... That the music really helps create, uh, along with the sound design, and I had never heard anything like it before. Like, just it, it, I think it's a string carted, quartet mm, mm. Uh, that did all of the music for the game, uh, written then by Ben Howes. Sorry, Ben, I'm so sorry. I'm a huge fan. I'm sorry I can't pronounce your name right. If you're ever listening to this, uh, but anyway, the music is great. Uh, in that sense and very unique for a video game I think
2: yeah
0: well let's enjoy it so this is the main theme of Arcanum or Arcanum So that's from Troika Games, the team that only made three games under that banner. The second was uh, The Temple of Elemental Evil, which I don't know at all. The third is a game which uh, we have often been requested to cover on the Cane and Rince podcast, which is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to that someday. It's kind of a cult classic. And uh, after that, for whatever reason, which I'll look into if we ever do that show, uh, the developers split, went their separate ways and on to... Different things, but um, yeah, yeah some, it's too bad. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, much loved game, but uh, yeah, low, lovely music. That uh, do like a string quartet. That's so this okay. next piece, uh, I'm joined here by my guest Nicholas today, also known as El Huervo. So that means the hunger. Is that right? Uh,
1: the hunger. El Huervo means the hunger. Yes. Oh, uh, it actually doesn't mean anything at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just, uh, like, my friend when I was a kid, he thought I was really hairy, like a wolverine. Ah. so And he he was like, e- wolverine. el huervo means wolverine, uh, ah. but it doesn't at all. Ah.
0: Ah. But he used to tell me, like, you're hairy like the el huervo. <laughs> uh, I was actually going to ask if, if it was a werewolf thing, um, but it was a wolf uh,
1: thing. <laughs> so it, but it's, so it's kind of a weird name but I, I like it because it has this mysterious quality but it it's totally just for gigs. It's good to know though.
0: Uh, yeah so this next piece is from a, an iOS piece called uh, in from a few years back uh, this yeah. game you did the art for as well is that right? That's true yeah, uh,
1: yeah. we did all the graphics because like, I had just gotten out of working a lot with the computer and wanted to and Eric asked me if I wanted to make a game I was like, like Svedang? No computer graphics. I just want to draw them, and then we scan them and and get it in the game. So it's all like hand drawn watercolor stuff in there.
0: Okay, uh, tell us about for those who aren't familiar with it. Uh, obviously, this was relatively early in the kind of iOS game world. Cometen uh, is that the is that again? Is that the right pronunciation? Uh, it's it's good enough, like Kometen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. <laughs>
1: So it it means comet
0: actually. Yeah. Sure. Cuz you're a comet in space flying yeah, around yeah, and yeah. having philosophical ponderings. Ah yes, okay. And yeah, the art is again um I I don't know if I'd like immediately have thought it was you but I mean the maybe the maybe the color palette might have uh, tipped me off. Um but actually it's quite a different um yeah, different subject matter to some of the stuff we've been familiar with cuz it is this kind of yeah, sentient worm uh, cyclopic worm comet in space with its tongue hanging out yeah i i, I don't know why uh he turned into <laughs> that but i think i just doodled
1: something and then sort of liked it and I thought it was too trippy but eric was like no but it's cute let's go for it yeah cute and uh, weird
0: yeah. yeah um and this is this is quite an epic piece as well so tell us about the uh what went into this uh, this nine minute track
1: I we we were struggling with the music for that game, uh, mm-hmm. and then I went away to Hjärbod. Um, it's like a, it's, a, it's I think it's a Swedish thing. Like you build little houses where you keep your boat and mm-hmm. uh, like all your gear for fishing and stuff. Um, and it's very quaint there and it's very quiet. So I went there to like try to write some music because I heard that if you're an artist, you can go recluse and then find some divine yeah. inspiration. It's classic. And it, yeah. It, yeah, it kind of worked, actually. So Good. I just wrote that piece over the course of two days. Uh, and I think I tried to convey a story of a couple of lovers, like mm-hmm. the, the emotions they go through uh, in the relationship uh, cuz we wanted the game to have a feeling of love somehow so it felt appropriate
0: hmm. and what uh how how do you describe the musical's sort of area in which you work the genre i saw glitch hop as one uh one descriptor that was used i think that was that was one that you used there is this sense of yeah things being it's it's modern music but it's lo-fi in the sense that it sounds like you know it's um Quite a lot of your stuff has deliberate distortion in it, and elements that are uh, messed up or scratchy in some way that that uh, allude to analog sounds and old machinery and and old technology.
1: Like the, it's always funny with genres. Like glitch hop was a little bit of a thing for a while, but now yeah. I think it's more like lo-fi yeah. beats. People right. talk about. Uh, I I just think it's interesting to like juxtaposition Mm. uh digital and analog elements uh, with each other because like every i i don't really know how to play instruments right and basically i just use uh a software on the computer Mm -hmm. and it it sounded very computery at first in my years of making music and just try to find something to balance that out and then the sort of analog scratchy broken quality came into it uh I don't know, I might be full of myself, but I think it has, like, maybe I caught on to the undercurrent, like cultural undercurrent at an early stage. Mm Because, like, right now, this is something that a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, Especially, like, how they start introducing the um, almost digitally broken quality that, uh, what's this, Uh, Disaster piece uses a lot. Yeah, yeah. And also the soundtrack for uh, uh, Greece.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah
1: um has some of that too Um, so that's not i think there's some of it in celeste as well yeah little bits yeah
0: yeah for sure
1: Mm. i I love that soundtrack and uh (laughs) i don't know but i like it feels like they built upon a little bit of that uh quality of beats that we had in hotline miami maybe i'm just making things up for myself now uh no like i think you're always playing tricks on me but it just felt like they like took that to another level and i was so happy to hear it yeah uh, so yeah
0: no absolutely it's a it's a it's a constant evolutionary process just as it always has been in uh you know pop music and and every other every other genre as well and game music yeah. if you count it as a kind of side subgenre, then there's no doubt that uh one widely heard set of pieces will influence uh, another soundtrack it's just seems yeah. inevitable it's just beautiful to realize
1: that when it becomes adamant that you're just part of this stream you're just yeah. a twig on the stream like in this little thing happening part of the Uh, multi embodiment of of
0: artists that work with games and that how you're actually a part of it i I love that let's muse upon that while we listen to lovers by el Huevo from comieten From the 2010 iOS game by Eric ten uh, that's Lovers by my guest, Nicolas El Juevo. Thank you for that lovely piece. Hello. And uh, next up, I'm excited about this one. This is a, a series of games we've yet to cover on the other podcast, of rinse but it's been much requested uh, and something that I would love to do as a fan. Uh, you've already mentioned Mobius, who of course influenced the artwork for this game and its successors, Panzer Dragoon. Yeah, uh, And this is a piece from the first game, which I, often I would say gets less attention in the wake of uh, the Mightys Vi and Saga. Uh, mm-hmm. But this, this is from the 1995 original. Did you play this at the time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted a Saturn so
1: bad, so I sold my whole old game collection to buy it. And and that was like one of the first games, and it looked amazing. Yeah, uh, like with the intro and and the music. Of course, was like yeah. the first thing because there was a demo with the first stage. I think we got from a Sega magazine in Sweden, and it right. just blew my mind. Yeah, uh, the music. I I sat alone in my room crying and listening to it. Going, it's so
2: beautiful. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I watched the, um, I actually, I kind of missed the first game. I have it now because it's, uh, it's actually an unlockable on Panzer Dragoon Orta, the, uh, the Xbox three, uh, the original Xbox game that's now finally properly backwards compatible. You can play it on Xbox one and, uh, and, uh and it looks and works. It looks and works great. And you can actually unlock the, I think it's the PC version of the original that you can unlock within that. Um, but I started at Panzer Dragoon Zwei, which I absolutely loved. Um for those who don't know, it's a kind of on Rails shooter. It's a kind of it's a kind of predecessor to Res in some ways. Um also elements of uh, Star Fox as well, Starwing. Um but it's this very particular kind of Japanese uh dragon based fantasy, um very fanciful, but also quite serious in tone. Um and yeah, it's just, very rich with lore. Yes, very much so, yeah, uh, which is really expanded out in the third game, which is the, the famous four-disc RPG, uh, which immediately became quite expensive to buy outside of Japan because it was made in such limited quantities. Um, but, yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a series, as I say, we'd love to cover, but part of the problem is the third game is uh, very difficult to actually play now. Uh, it's never been remade, re-released, remastered or anything don't know if Sega even owns the or has the code maybe they've but yeah it. I think they lost it or something probably lost it yeah it's very sad uh, um but yeah so this piece uh flight so in the second game there's actually a sequence where um you start off uh running on this baby dragon and then there's this absolutely wonderful moment where the dragon kind of learns to take flight just in the nick of time to get you away from this uh this Evil onslaught. uh but in the first game, forgive me if I am wrong, but I think you are in you are in the air from the off. Yeah, you are
1: just on in the air all the time. Yeah, uh, so that was like a major thing in the second one, where where you start yeah. running and then do the you get the
0: feeling in your gut when he spreads his wings and it's everything. Such a beautiful it's moment. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, so, when does this track play? This is uh, Yoshitaka Azuma's piece called "Flight." Is it is it early on in the game? I think it's the
1: first stage. First actually. piece. Yeah. yeah they
0: sort of open with it which is pretty badass i think yeah all right let's hear it uh, from the saturn game later ported to pc ps2 and xbox panda dragoon flight yoshitaka azuma that's flight from the original panda dragoon the much loved and missed series from sega's one of sega's teams team andromeda they were known as i don't know if that team did anything else under the name of team andromeda or whether that was just reserved for the the panda dragoon games Um, i
1: actually recent recently i read an article about them uh, and i think that was the only thing they did
0: yeah and in fact, by the time the fourth game came out, Auto that was uh, credited to Smilebit, which I think made up was made up of some of Team Andromeda, but also it was it was part of a reshuffle of studios within Sega. So, um, uh, it definitely wasn't the like they scattered
1: by the winds and just end up in
0: various places within yeah. the. Yes. Uh, so, if they were to, if Sega was to announce a four-game box set. Uh, for current gen systems and PC of the Panzer Dragoon titles, uh, would that be a day one purchase for you?
1: I think so, yes. Yeah, I think so.
0: They should do that. They should totally do that. Yeah. I'd rather yeah, have I that I think than they Shenmue. should. Like, Sega, come on. Come on, Sega. You can do it for us. We'll kickstart it right uh so yes as i say listener i'm joined by my guest nicolas el huevo and we're also enjoying some of his amazing tunes from his canon and catalogue so this next one is from a from nearly four years ago now from 2015 tell us about rebel
1: uh oh my god uh
0: it's uh, i'm kind of ashamed of it but also oh. not. No, 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 no. Can't be ashamed.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> Why is just
0: that? like artistic humidity.
1: Like, but, but I, it's because it, it's kind of weird uh, yeah. in, in a way that it's very heavily mixed. Yeah, uh, uh, and like the waveform looks like a sausage.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that. I was listening to it at work on headphones, and uh, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a a, a full on ear buzzer.
1: Yeah, and and it's very it's kind of pretentious like (laughs) it's one of the songs where i sing which i rarely do uh and that's you is it yeah it's me i know usually when people hear it they're like oh is that you is that what you sound like when you sing (laughs) um but the lyrics are like uh i will always be you run for cover run yours you run for cover run which is kind of like when you love like how you become desperate if you love someone you become desperate Mm. and and you're kind of like oh i'm gonna be with you always and then the person it hasn't really happened to me but like it seems like it's something that happens in society or in human civilization Uh, and then those people they kind of get scared and run away which is weird because giving someone unconditional love should be like the best thing in the world but it actually scares a lot of people yeah it's terrifying Uh, uh, so I kind of wanted the song to convey that somehow Mm. Uh, that sensation of being sort of out of control yeah exactly Uh, being manic about it and not really getting it back I guess Uh, unrequited yeah exactly Uh, but still sort of not really giving a fuck because but this is my feelings these are my emotions i'm just going to go for it Mm. Uh, and sort of yeah and try to give the listener a sense of empowerment also
0: Mm. excellent let's hear it rebel El Cuervo, my guest, uh, a song there evoking the feeling of being head over heels, out of control, giving yourself up for somebody else. I think, yeah, we've yeah, we've been and not giving up, getting it back and not getting it back. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we, we, most of us have been there at some point, even if it was a high school crush or something. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess it's no secret to say that one of the influences on some of the the sounds that you employ in your works would be Akira Yamaoka. Yeah,
1: I think he's the
0: the key influencer, actually. That's that's no yes, no no shame in that whatsoever. Um, yeah, so I suppose even I mean Silent Hill one now. This is uh, this this piece, uh, Killing Time, is from the original twenty years ago now it came out in Japan. Is that uh, long it is just turned it just had its 20th anniversary yeah yeah incredibly oh, it was uh later in later in the year in europe but yeah uh, the first release was japan of course um and yeah so Akira Yama- Yamoko was doing i mean things that i like the likes of which i'd never heard before i, I mean i was thinking again about this we, we covered all the silent hill games a few years ago on the podcast and um obviously it, without saying that the graphics on this first game have aged a lot. Uh, it's a PS1 game. Uh, we're used to playing on, you know, these incredible systems now. But the music has still got, it's retained all of its power, I think, as yeah, just hasn't, it has aged, hasn't aged a day, so uh was this so growing up you as we as we said you're a polymath you're a uh you're an artist and musician uh of i mean i don't know how you would judge it yourself but i would say you know an equally talented painter and or visual artist and musician um growing up as a as a gamer as you obviously did as well which kind of which took the Was it was your was your development as an artist in the different fields simultaneous or did one come much before the other? And was one of them or both of them influenced by the games that you were playing?
1: Um, I mean, it's definitely influenced by the games I was playing for sure. And also the comic books I read. Mm. Uh, But I think drawing came first. Right. Yeah, It must have because my mom was sort of very pro creative. Uh, being creative and she always made sure we had a lot of good papers and a lot of good pencils at home
0: yeah and you can't necessarily have a home recording studio or even you know i don't know what years we're going back to but just having the tech available to make music uh, whenever this was in the 80s 90s i don't know yeah 80s yeah would have been a lot more expensive than although nice nice pens and paper are expensive but not as expensive as buying a like an atari st or whatever you would have needed to start making music yeah that would have been insane but my dad actually had like
1: synthesizers like you know the casio kind of advanced ones and okay i used to just G-style on the yes yeah, exactly yes,
0: uh, yes. <laughs> i used to do the same on my on my granddad's uh he had a, an upright piano because he was a, a jazz pianist um and yeah i used to i used to just play um they they said it sounded okay i thought it sounded okay but um i never took it anywhere unlike you so but it's um, good
1: fun isn't it or it yeah, was
0: at least absolutely yeah and i always used to i used to pour over the like the, the home shopping catalogs looking at those casios and um, and the only ones that we could afford, I knew, sounded awful, like those, you know, Bon Tempi, you know, awful. Yeah,
1: like the is Saint, I think it's called. Like You're that right. was a really shitty one.
0: Yeah, uh, but you had slightly, fur- slightly further up, upmarket ones, so you were able to make things which actually sounded like semi-decent like the could you replicate the sounds that you were hearing in the charts whether you know whatever electronic music whether it was Depeche Mode or Pet Shop Boys or whatever else I
1: I don't think I was concerned with that at all it was just playing around with it Uh, trying out the different sounds and just making sounds I think Uh, and quite early realized that it's sort of like talking Mm -hmm. how you tell someone your uh, emotions for example you try to talk to someone about your emotions, I think. Uh, and I realized that that's kind of what you can do with uh, with music. I, I didn't really understand it at the time, but I knew it was something like that there. And it, it is something that I realized later on, that it was actually a, a way for me to communicate, even though no one was listening. Uh, it just felt like you could convey things that were out of the range of words. And that was just really interesting. Uh, And also to daydream for yourself. you know, I daydreamed a lot. I was kind of a lonely kid, I think, but I I never really suffered for it. But I was Mm. constantly in my own head making up uh, little worlds and stuff. And I used to do that with paper and pen. Mm. And then being able to do that with music too was just mind-blowing. So I think the whole... What did you call it? Oh, po- you're, uh,
0: you're a polymath, yeah.
1: Oh, polymath. Um, started there, uh, mm. just from sheer curio- curiosity, really.
0: That's cool. Uh, so, so Akira Yamoka came along when you were, or you played Silent Hill when you were, how old did you reckon?
1: Must have been 16. Okay. It was just- the summer of 1999.
0: Yeah, almost old enough for it. I think was no. it? I can't remember if it was a fifteen or an eighteen. Now, actually, but, um, but probably exactly the right age, actually, yes. to get the I most mean, from it.
1: And also, like when I saw the cover for that game, mm. like I don't, I think you guys had the same cover as we did in Sweden. Like, it's, yeah, there was a different one for the European market uh, with this girl. She's almost smiling on the cover,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but she looks kind of like she's hurting in a haze an opium um, almost of course i didn't know what that was at, at the time uh, yeah. it, it, it's just it was so beautiful but so horrible at the same time mm. and it really mm-hmm. had this quality of this dreamlike quality that none of the other games had
0: yeah yes and uh, much missed people are now obviously uh, clamoring in the wake of the success for capcom of the resident evil 2 remake that Konami might just consider doing a full-blown silent hill 2 remake uh for current gen which would be which would be exciting if they got it right um do you think they would be able to get it right nowadays like (laughs) with the whole
1: i mean everyone's left that company that was yeah that's
0: that's kind of a that's kind of the, the problem yeah i think um yeah it's so hard to know like they they do still have developers there um, I mean, they made Metal Gear Survive, but yeah, who knows? And they uh, do
1: have the Silent Hill Pachinko game,
0: exactly. Yeah, them. well, they, you know, they they do actually do those Pachinko games in Japan. Do have um, screens with graphics and and stuff, so they they do still have some people there who are actually capable of making the digital elements but whether they've got enough people and, and a team that they could put to get pull together to make a a remake that was you know fit to lace the boots of the original or the resident evil 2 remake it's yeah who knows who knows uh, uh. only konami knows um but yeah so why did you pick this particular piece killing time i think uh, as i say i think i can hear um, we were talking about the, those sort of certain textures that you like to employ. I think some of it's uh, some of it's in here. Was this a piece that was particularly inspirational, or is it a piece that you actually remember when it happens in the game and and it affected you somehow?
1: I, I think it's the song that plays if you get the bad plus ending.
0: Ah, right. Uh,
1: and but I, really, I wanted to go with Tears of Pain.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but then I felt like the balance of, you know, like it, it, I tried to curate all of the songs in this in this uh, episode, and it just felt like this. It it needed that song instead of Tears of Pain, which is more like melancholic. Hmm. Uh, but I also think that this piece really represents a lot of the stuff that I like about Silent Hill, because it's not just the horrible. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and then the, the the really beautiful pieces, uh sort of almost singer-songwriter quality to it. Mm. But there's also this like beat dusty, murky, broken thing going on. And I really that's what I like most about Silent Hill, where it's really original, I think. Uh, when Akira Yamaoka really goes for that sort of that sort of quality in his in his music in the series. <laughs>
0: Killing Time by Akira Yamaoka from the original Silent Hill I'm joined today by my guest El Huevo, Niklas and his next selection is from one of his own works Am I right in thinking this is the title track to an album from 2016? Yeah, uh, that's the title track of of the album, Van Der Yes, Yes. for sure Uh, Does that have a meaning for us non speakers? (laughs) is a van der thing? It sounds more Dutch than Swedish to me, but that's... I think it
1: is Dutch. Oh, okay. uh, it's, it's I think the inspiration for that name came partly from uh, an album by the, um, mm, the group called Midlake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Trials of Van Occupanter, I mm-hmm. think the album is called. And also, it has this Western quality to it because on the cover, there's this um, almost baron samedi like character uh, yeah with a with a spanish cab- cowboy hat and a poncho and he's like he has the skull face and he's crying a little bit <laughs> uh and th- there was a lot of dutch names in the west like yes cities and stuff i think you can see that in red dead redemption too
0: absolutely yeah
1: uh so and van der Reer sounds like the wanderer Mm, It does. And and it's about this character, uh, a multidimensional being who sort of just wanders uh, between the dimensions uh, because he has seen it all and lived it all. Uh, So now he's just um, uh, sort of like um, an an observer
0: uh, trying to find some meaning amongst it all. Do you find, does this stuff all come out of you simultaneously is this almost like a, a a self-generating sort of synesthesia kind of situation where the the characters the plot the music the art is this all like bubbling up simultaneously
1: everything yeah everything just builds upon itself i guess i i like i i spend a lot of time by myself uh thinking and daydreaming still 30 years later yeah, why not why not?
0: Uh, it seems to be working and, out for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. I was a little bit worried first, but yeah, it seems like you can make a profession out of it.
0: It be- it becomes a profession when you're actually you have the capability of taking those concepts and actually making them into some kind of audiovisual reality. Uh, whereas there are a lot of daydreamers who maybe have the ideas, but they have they haven't the the skill or the application to turn them into pictures or music or a film or a book or whatever that's the that's it's, the key difference skill is just practice i think and also
1: talent is a lot of practice i think mm. uh mostly comes stemming out of passion and curiosity yeah, and sure. once you realize that you're daydreaming you know becomes goes to a whole new level if you uh, sit down and do something creative why daydreaming it, it you know it just Reaches new heights, I think. But then then again, it needs to be something that you would like like to do also, like to enjoy the process of it because it can become really tedious. And yeah. you also have to take care of your body when you get older if you want to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff when you get o- that, that practical stuff around it that you sort of have to like as well, uh, like the smell of colors and uh, yeah. Nerding down on it, I think.
0: Mm. Beautiful. Let's uh, let's wallow then in Fandaria. From 2016, El Juevo's Fandería. Uh, fantastic stuff. So I understand that uh, just on Christmas Eve, uh, you put out a free album. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, just I don't even know how, you, like, that's amazing. But um, it's got a beautiful uh, cover as well. Um, so this is uh, still available, presumably? Yes. I mean, it's going to be... It's on SoundCloud,
1: uh, and it's going to be there until someone other than me takes it away, I guess.
0: Yeah, fabulous. Uh, What inspired you to do that, Uh, just giving away your work like that?
1: um, A number of things, I think. Like, I have been working on an an album, like a follow-up to Vandereer, for a long time, because I wanted to... uh, like Dennis of Denaton Game, he wanted to play bass on some of the songs because oh, we do live, okay. live shows together as well. Uh-huh. And, and we were like, couldn't you just play bass on all of the songs? Uh, so we tried that. And that was, I had to learn how to record stuff properly. Right. Just to do that. And, yeah. you know, and, and then try to, <laughs> uh, how, how do you say that? Dirigent? No. Uh, direct sort of, be a director for Dennis, right, right, like yeah. If you do it like, you know, no, 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 mm. go up a little bit before that. Do you mean like this? No, 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 it's got to be like this. It's uh,
0: proper old school, like home, you know, like punk punk uh, ethics of not, not, yeah, not necessarily knowing all the technical uh, side of the music, but actually just keep playing until it sounds right
1: yeah for sure and, and that was like dennis is uh he, he's a very good musician musician yeah um and and he's been playing in his in bands for a long time so he knows that stuff uh so that was really fun to do that uh, but it takes time you know and also there were some issues with samples so i had to rewrite some stuff uh, right. and i just wanted to put out something yes yeah. if you have if, if you have something sort of brooding in your mind for a long time or just sitting on your hard drive it becomes like old moldy cheese right and it it can become quite depressive actually if you don't get it out it's like a mm. catalyst you have something you want to tell someone and you never do it and it starts gnawing on you mm. uh, so i think it was te- therapy and also like trying to like a gift because i'm really happy that people actually care because i'm I'm, a, I'm i'm totally weirdo <laughs> uh, uh, to me, it's just amazing that people find what I do interesting. Uh, so it was sort of a gift, a, a thank you,
0: sort It's still out there, so uh, you can, it's uh, it's on soundcloud.com, uh, El Huervo Casern. Uh, Bad man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> someone someone else stole El Huervo from me. Ah. Uh, so I couldn't use that name, so it had to be El Huervo Casern.
0: Okay. Uh, We'll search it out. It's called when in dream. It's still there. Um, And I also wanted to ask you about, although this is a music show, uh, about your um, operate, your (laughs) method of operation when it comes to the painting. Um, Is it, do you paint in uh, physical materials or is it all done digitally? Is it a combination somehow that I don't understand as a a (laughs) non-artist? what's your uh, what's your what's your medium of choice
1: I actually like them both because yeah. I, I really do have a love-hate relationship with computers because mm-hmm. they're fantastic in some ways but you never like I love sketching on a computer for example because uh, right. it's really easy to redo the sketch you don't have to yep. deal with rubbers and all that stuff yeah. uh, and I do feel like you do, some people are puritans they're like no you have to do it analogous all the way mm. or whatever uh, but I really do like making sketches on my little pad mm-hmm. I do that and then I just pop them into a uh, projector Right. then I trace the lines and then I color it analogous uh, ah, but sometimes I just you know sometimes I just go by hand from the beginning and sometimes mm. I just do stuff uh, digitally because it, it, it allows you a certain freedom uh, but then again, it also takes away the tension a little bit because mm. you mm. become like Anji almost in Blade of the Immortal, where his fighting style isn't necessarily the cleanest or the best. But since since you know if he loses an arm or a leg, it doesn't really matter. He can just swing away, continue to swing away. So so you <laughs> kind of lose that sort of um, artistic quality. No, it's you don't lose it, but. You kind of lose the tension because if you apply color uh, on a a piece of paper, like this is it. You can't just control Z your way through it. Sometimes that actually happens subconsciously. I'm like, oh, shit, I did wrong. Control Z. No, I can't do it
0: yeah yeah i mean how many times do uh do i now try to pinch out on a shopping list or something to zoom it out i mean that's that's <laughs> the the world in which we live uh trying to trying to read some small writing and i've got my fingers on the paper trying to make it make it bigger yeah it's the way the way things are going so um in terms of the coloring of, of your paintings now obviously yeah you you very much favor these incredibly bold and vivid bright colors um mm-hmm. and a sort of amazing array of them as well. It's I mean listeners if you, if you're not familiar just just look at go on go and google image search um to see what we're talking about because it's hard it's very hard to justify you know do justice to a to a painting in words but what's the actual um when you're doing the physical coloring um what are you using there uh, paint wise I I like oil and uh,
1: watercolor a lot because yeah. They're like the opposites of each other. Yes, yeah. Watercolors has wa- the element of water in it, which is yep. a chaotic element. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also allows you to work very fast, which can be good if you're in that state of mind. Will's working with oil it takes a lot of patience. And if you're in that mood, it's very um, meditative. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Absolutely. Um, meditative to, to do that and to like sort of manipulate the color in a very different way because water dries up really fast, so you have to work fast. But with the oil, it can take days, so you yeah. can really, really drag out the process of doing it, which is uh, has a certain quality to it that I really enjoy. But as of late, I also discovered uh, acrylics, mm. which is sort of the middle way yeah. in between. Mm. Um, so now I'm just mixing all of them together, depending on the mood again cool uh clever stuff
0: so from that uh, in-depth talk of art we're on to we're, we're we're going straight on to sonic the hedgehog um you know mm. why not um so this is a piece you've chosen from the fascinating soundtrack to sonic the hedgehog 3 uh, which is credited to one two three four five six Uh, different composers and not credited to one composer who it's now widely accepted did compose a lot of the music for it that was Michael Jackson of course um We don't really know which tracks were composed by which artists, although some of the pieces have been pretty much broken down into. Yep, that sounds exactly like this Michael Jackson track, (laughs) sped up or slowed down or whatever. Um, I'm not sure where this comes in. This is Hydrocity Zone or Hydro City. Never been sure. Uh, Act two. Uh, I have a lot of fun memories. Uh, I guess I'm probably a little older than you, but I remember... Uh, playing the Sonic the the Mega Drive Sonic games in the early 90s as a late teen early 20s something and and even by uh, 1994 when Sonic 3 came out and Sonic and Knuckles I was still finding the the music just an absolute joy just like it just seemed to be layered with uh, atmosphere and nostalgia even though it was you know it's this this little FM sound chip and Um, And I was no longer a child, but it's it still seemed to evoke that sense of childhood wonder that that I wanted from my games and still do uh, 25 years later. Um, Is that does that sound similar to your experience with Sonic? For sure. Like it's totally the experience I've had uh, for
1: sure. Uh, But but also how Sonic showed me how music in games can be more than jingles. Yeah. Like Mario was always um, spoofs of other genres and just sort of cute jingles Mm -hmm. that really get stuck in your head. I mean, it's really good music, but it's more like jingle-like. But Sonic had this; it was more like music with uh, with choruses and all that sort of uh, traditional way of doing it. and as you, With the whole nostalgia and everything, it was, it was awesome. just ha- had a different quality than what Mario did, I think. Uh, yeah. And Hydro City Zone is like the best of them all,
0: I think. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like Ice Cap. Uh, I've got a big uh, fondness for... I've actually forgotten the name of the zone, but it's the one where you're kind of up in the sky. Not not the not like Sky Chase Zone from Sonic 2, but one where you're uh, kind of jumping down mountains and yeah 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 that's a good one and also starlight zone i think it's called yeah 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 in the original um so yeah did you follow have you followed the the sort of the michael jackson story over the years uh with the sonic stuff is that that i've just always been fascinated by that obviously we're currently uh we're there's this new documentary on Jackson, which is controversial for various reasons. And it's, you know, it seems like more is likely to come out about the person he was, but then there's a lot of debate as to whether what the motivation behind these revelations is. So uh, nobody can say or will ever know, but uh, regardless, if you can put that element aside, which actually is probably, it was the start of the the conversation around Jackson, not being all, you know, sweetness and light which was probably why his association with this game was actually shelved and or you know
1: I mean I no one will like, ever know we'll never know I think but there, there's also there was also some rumors saying that he just wasn't happy with how the sounds came out scratchy, like he was happy yeah. with yeah like he was happy with the compositions but the, the chip of the Mega Drive yeah. wasn't to his liking
0: yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense because although the the Mega Drive sound chip makes amazing music, the one thing it doesn't do really well at all was the speech samples. Uh, yeah. Famously, so the amount of games where it sounds like, <laughs> um, and so you've got these tracks which do seem to have some trademark Jackson woohooing, whooping, um, but it just sounds like and um, <laughs> and it, I can imagine exactly that... like that
1: actually you're very beautiful.
0: <laughs> I'll make I haven't been practicing it's just uh, uh, improvised interpretation but yeah it's um, no it is a fascinating story and uh, yeah but great music regardless of uh, who made it which whichever one or ones out of all the credited composers made it so let's enjoy Hydro City or Hydrocity Zone Act 2 <laughs> Mega Drive 1994. No, we still haven't covered the Sonic series on Kane and Rinse. Yes, we might one day. We'd probably like to. But it's also kind of daunting because it means completing all of them as far as we're concerned. And <laughs> that might I mean, not necessarily. They are
1: quite short now in hindsight. <laughs> That's so true. It would be possible to do it over a weekend, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, but then we've got if we carry on following through the series, then we've got to play like the 2000s ones
1: oh yeah and... that's true and all the shitty ones and oh my god <laughs> yeah okay well can't you like just cut it up and, and go
0: with the retro ones well so we could then... but that's not how we roll uh as yeah. you know nicholas yes, it's thanks. like actually and what i will say is i think we'd probably end up making some of uh some of our more entertaining podcasts if we talk about you know the, the the crummy ones uh the ones that nobody likes uh we we kind of we did that when we did silent hill for example in that i was initially saying look let's just do the first three let's just do that and uh and some uh carl and some of the others on the team were insistent like no let's do the ones let's do the later ones because there's some interesting things to be said and some interesting conversations and uh and they were right so yeah it they, would, they it were
1: would. right for sure and I, sorryly, I think that won't work for the Sonic series because some of the games just doesn't, doesn't have anything of quality in them, I'm sorry to say. Sorry all the people who made them, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe it was your producers who fucked with you or whatever, but some of the games are just shit. I mean, I really yeah. liked Sonic Adventure. Like that, I feel like that's when it started going downhill. You could mm-hmm. hear it also in the soundtrack, but I, I still really like the soundtrack for Sonic Adventure
0: yeah uh, i don't like it as a do.
1: game but it yeah. seemed like they just took that concept and watered it down too much mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so, yeah
0: it struggled uh but yeah maybe there's some interesting conversations to be had about uh you know design choices and things yeah. but um we'll cross That's that bridge when we come to it <laughs> or it might be two day, years man. two years of misery uh for everyone involved listeners and mm-hmm. podcasters alike uh we'll certainly uh we'll do sonic one if nothing else anyway so, next up, uh, we've got 10 tracks this time. Our ninth track is, again, by my guest, Nicholas El Juevo. This is from another Eric Svedan game. I'm probably murdering Eric's name as well there. Apologies, Swedish <laughs> listeners. Um, tell us about Trust and the game that it comes from.
1: Uh, so, it comes from the game uh, El's Heartbreak. It was actually made prior to the game. Right. Uh, or during the making of the game, I think. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. did two albums. While making that game, because we, we built it for like five years, which is insane. You know, the cardinal fault that you do when you start making games is like, I'm going to make the greatest game ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Eric wanted to make a game about programming and how you can reprogram everything in the game, which sounded like an insane thing to do. Uh but all the more alluring for it. So we started doing that, and I just made a bunch of songs while making it. And then they sort of fit into it, because I think the art style for it, which I also was uh, responsible for, yep. uh, sort of coincides with music. Uh, and it's just, I think it's the most techni, techno-ish song I've ever made. Hmm. Um, I, I have a guilty pleasure for that somewhere deep inside, I think. Um, but it, it's, it plays out... And um, the track that we're going to listen to comes from a sequence in the game where you're at a, at a bar on a dance floor meeting a, a girl for the first time sort of falling in love maybe so and I think mm. the title trust sort of comes from that again dealing with themes of love <laughs> how trusting someone can be hard and scary
0: That was Trust from Else Heartbreak, a 2012 Mac and PC game that I will admit I was hitherto completely unaware of. But now I'm looking at it, looking at it on Steam. I'm looking at it on Metacritic. Uh, and this was critically pretty well received. To, I mean, very positive on Steam, 79 Metacritic score. It's always, and and, and I mean, goes, goes without saying, it looks fascinating. Um, it's got this striking art. I uh, don't know who did that. Um, it's uh, definitely got uh, Nicholas's p- color palette to it as well. Um, it's, a, it's a shame that this one went under my radar, and I guess maybe maybe it went under too many radars. Otherwise, I'd, I'd have heard more about it.
1: I mean, we, we got lucky that the guys at the Indie Bundle really liked it, so they ah, put it in the bundle.
0: Uh, so people which, have played it? Yes. Or uh, they've got it in their...
1: They've got it. There. I don't know how many people have played it, but yeah. there were quite a lot of downloads Uh And, I mean, it's a weird little bird. I get it if it's, you know, if it it flies under people's radar, because it's kind of weird, and they don't know what to make of it. Plus, it takes almost five hours before you get to the unique selling point, which is the game world. Because, you know, we come from Sweden, and Bergman is uh, part of, like, the cultural heritage here, where you have slow takes on everything. Mm. And we wanted to create uh, a sense of like the player should get to know the world before they start fiddling with it yeah instead of just oh here's the game here's the mechanics do whatever you want and i i understand a lot of people just got put off by that but then Mm. the ones who actually pull through yeah uh, to me it seems like it became something larger than life for them at least Uh, Wow.
0: I think I'm gonna add this one to our big list of games. You know, no guarantees we'll ever get round to it, but it it looks genuinely interesting. I I'm always so excited to find something that's genuinely different and just yeah, somehow that I've has completely escaped my attention and yet appears to be doing something quite unlike anything else so yeah all credit currently annoyingly uh, it's on sale as we record but it won't be by the time people hear this it's actually down to uh, four pounds 74 in english money on on steam at the moment from its normal price of 19 pounds um but look out for it in in future sales i would say listeners because it sounds interesting Uh, Remember, also, please venture over to our forum, kainorince.com slash forum, or follow us on Twitter at Kainorince. Use the hashtag Sound of Play if you like. We also have a Facebook page, of course. You can request your favourites and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play when we don't have a composer on. Please subscribe to this podcast. Leave us an Apple podcast or iTunes review or rating or wherever else you get your podcast from. Listen to our other shows as well, though. Kane and Rince, I've mentioned. That's our Deep Dive Review show on Mondays. We also now have Playwright on Thursdays, where Ryan and Ryan come up with all new game concepts based on pitches. And we have interviews with the actual developers of the games, The Sausage Factory on Fridays with Chris O'Regan. We've got all bases covered. Follow us on social media to keep up with all this amazing content on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and if you enjoy what we do and appreciate it you can donate a dollar a month or more if you prefer via our patreon patreoncom rinse and it all helps us continue to do all this stuff that we do now That you do so well Oh thank you thank you <laughs> uh Thank you, Nicholas, for joining me. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you. As I say, I'm always so proud when somebody of such uh, notable talents is actually already a listener. That's amazing. Um,
1: uh, can what? I say likewise? Because I'm, I'm nervous and my armpits are really, really sweaty now.
0: Oh, man, alive. Uh, <laughs> no, don't. don't uh, so yeah.
1: I'm really happy to be here. Like, I'm a huge fan. I just want to say oh. that. And I love what you guys are doing. Really, I like you're giving me and Dennis and Jonathan a lot of. Uh, pleasure while we work on our respective games uh, oh. and try to get the hours to pass by, listening to you talking about That's stuff amazing. in an intellectual way.
0: Oh well, we try. Is uh, yeah, we're still we're still striving. I think to. To nail everything but uh we've been yeah we we continue to strive after seven years um it's great to hear that and yeah it's always it's very rewarding when when we know people who actually make games appreciate what we do as well because we know there's a lot of feedback available out there that isn't necessarily very helpful um so yeah that's cool uh if we ever get around to doing the hotline miami 2 show perhaps we'll we'll get you all on and uh you can talk us all about to about how that came about how that happened um but yeah, is there anything in the meantime that you want to point people towards or plug? I know that, that you've probably got projects you can't talk about, but there's places that people can find your work and enjoy your work and even pay for your work. Where would those be?
1: Oh, I really suck at this plugging thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think you can just Google El Huervo uh, if you're interested. And I have a print shop Uh it's print on demand as of now, because I can't really send out stuff from Sweden because the postal system in Sweden has just broken down totally. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying yeah, it's a super weird situation. Oh, no. But I'm trying to work on that, so I can personally send prints to people now, uh, start doing that again at some point. Uh, yeah. And obviously, have an album coming out this spring sometime. Uh, I'm working on a new game with a friend, Morten Briggemann. Which I wanted to make since I was a kid, since I played Castlevania Symphony of the Night for the first time. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. And I don't know, I'm just painting, uh, trying to paint uh, and, you know, continue to do stuff. Really? Doing stuff. Doing stuff is good. Doing stuff, yes. And if you want to know, uh, Google. Uh, I'm a little, I kind of, I've gone a little worse on social media lately Mm because. Uh, it's been really good to me the last six years, but now I'm trying to focus more on actually creating stuff because once you get... Okay, this is a total sidetrack. You can cut it out if you want. Uh, It's like once you get into social media and try to create art in that space, you Mm. sort of sooner or later become more interested in the product and the process because it moves so fast and you Mm. might... Uh, feel yourself longing to actually do something for a prolonged time, and then you might get stressed out because I'm not posting anything on my social
2: medias.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I think it's always better to continue to do stuff and show it to people when you're ready and not get caught up in the whole
0: sort of manic approach that social media has yeah, there's no way that art should be a, a race, a rat race, you know, kind of. Yeah, that that, that doesn't. That's yes, yeah, not compatible, is it, with with the the higher aims that you should probably have. And I mean, if you don't, have. if you if you don't have those
1: aims, that's fine enough. I I, I think as well because I really like how uh, tattoo art, for example, has got a totally new platform because that's mm. that's an old genre or practice. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. But yeah. I also do feel like some people that I've talked to how it kind of, they wish they could spend longer on stuff, uh,
0: but they feel like they're pressured to just churn stuff out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, don't be doing that. So, yeah, no, it's very wise, but uh, people can follow you on Twitter uh, at El Cuevo and presumably things will go up there from time to time but also it's a good way of yeah they can they can use that as a hub and look look on your timeline and find links to other things like the free album from just before christmas and so on and so forth yes now the last track you've selected for us is from alundra yay cult classic shall we say um this was um uh, matrix software's s- kind of zelda alike game that um that was kind of a sort of don't know about secret weapon but it was it was something in the early ish playstation one catalog that was uh, a good gateway drug for people to make the the leap from nintendo to the to the scary new world of cds and things like that and um, yeah, it's definitely a game that comes up from time to time. It gets requested for the show. I think they did include it on the recent failed Sony PlayStation Classic Mini device. I think. I think it's on there by default. Maybe they? they did. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, it's a yeah, it's it's a top-down RPG um, mostly in the traditional fashion. Um, so, did you get this one when it was a new game? Oh, yeah.
1: I, I saw it in a magazine and it was like, this looks totally like Zelda. And I always liked Zelda, but I felt it was a little bit too childish for my taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it felt like Alundra deals with dreams in, in a different way and it seemed more surreal. Mm. And I think I had watched an early David Lynch film, maybe it was Eraserhead, and someone made uh, a correlation between those two. Oh, so I was wow. like, I, I need to play this. Yeah. And you know the music obviously is fantastic. Uh mm. and also the the story feels mature in a way that Zelda never really did. Uh and I actually think it's the better Zelda game. Uh and
0: um yeah, it's just it's lovely. It's lovely. Uh so interesting um and brooding. And brooding Is it, uh, I, I don't know if it's a collaboration there's two uh, composers credited uh, Kohei Tanaka who you would expect but then uh, the mysterious Kevin McClintock as well I don't know what the um, ha, what the relationship was or whether Kevin just contributed one or two pieces to yeah. to the rest of the soundtrack but uh, I always find things like that interesting
1: I think he wrote the title uh, right because. Um, I can't confirm this, but it sounds very no. different from the rest of the music.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Maybe they wanted something that was uh, that would perhaps, yeah, somehow speak to the, the Western part of the audience that they were very much trying to court at that point.
1: So maybe I don't know. Possibly. Who knows?
0: Curious. Who knows? But uh, the piece you've chosen is The Village of Inoa. Does this have some happy memories tied to it?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it has a lot of positive memories attached to it. Memories attached to it. Like I play this during a summer uh, rigorously, uh, and right. just the village. Like you go out out into the world, and you go to these weird places and have these nightmares and stuff, and then you always end up back at the village. And everyone's so gloomy in the village, mm. except a few characters that are more like mm. naive. I feel, uh, but then you have this music, and then there's this sample of, huh! yeah in there uh, which I, mm. uh, I i love it it's just something about it that's
0: it's so weird but it totally fits there's a little tradition of that there's a few tracks in like chrono trigger and final fantasy 7 where you'll just get the odd vocal sample in in and, and in the case of the games that were on the cartridge systems it would be the only voice that you'd hear in the entire game would just be a little Woo or ha or something in, in the middle of a soundtrack, which I always thought was an odd choice. But, uh, but yeah, it makes it it makes it stand out. I mean, maybe that comes from the tradition of uh,
1: taiko drumming in Japan. Could be. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. The, or the whole theater theater thing they do. I don't know what it's called. Kabuki. Ishi- yeah, Kabuki. That's true. Maybe it comes from that. It's maybe like an old tradition thing of some sort. And I think Breath of yeah. Fire 4 had a little bit of, in it. In its, yeah. Its soundtrack too.
0: Hmm curious. Well, before we close the show with the village of Inoa, uh, thanks again so much, Nicholas, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, We'll definitely have you on sometime if you join us again. Um, Yeah. And uh, good luck with all your endeavors in the forthcoming months and years. Thank you
1: uh, uh, for making this awesome pod and uh, I hope you continue
0: to do it until the days you die. Yeah, that's the plan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cheers Niklas cheers and uh, good- goodbye listeners and here's the village of Enoa <laughs>